Bam, we're live. Andy, what's up? How are you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. I'm trying to figure out the camera. There we go. You look good from every angle. <laughs> so do you. Uh, a- Andy, this is Caleb. Caleb, Andy. Caleb, how's Hi, Andy. Let me see here. I have the wrong audio on. There we go. I was just looking at the average cost of a uh, of a wedding ring. Uh, 2020 jewelry engagement study on the knot shows the average price of a ring is $5,900. Oh my gosh. I was guessing my wife even more now. I was guessing it was $10,000. I didn't buy my wife a wedding ring. I was too, I was too cheap. And I, and I was doing the math and I was this morning in the shower and I was like, if you took, if you're 26 years old and you're going to get married and you're going to spend $10,000 on a wedding ring, if instead you put that into a mutual fund, which doubles every seven years, you would have at the age of 75, $1.3 million. That's pretty smart. Yeah. And and what started me off on this thought is when people keep talking about how expensive affiliates are. And I think I bet you, Andy, do you think that Jeff Bezos would give up all of his money to get 60 years of his life back? Absolutely. Isn't yeah. that what uh, yeah. the guy on uh, Thiel is doing? Who? Tell me. What's that? Thiel. Um, oh, uh, uh, the tech guy, um, Peter Thiel. Yep. Peter Thiel. Yeah. Very into anti-aging or stop aging or slowing down aging. He's put a lot of research and money into it. Like dumping his fortune into it? Right. Do you know about that guy's story with Hulk Hogan? I, that's how I found out about it. I watched it. It popped up on my feed too. What a stud, huh? You want to out my boyfriend? How about I fuck you in the ass? <laughs> it was, uh, I Savage. definitely, yeah, I, I, I thought I was watching something about Hulk Hogan. And it turned into something totally different. I mean, I I, I, I love, I, I hate to see pe- bad things happening to people, but, uh, I, I was pretty impressed with his tactics there. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's going all out. <laughs> Shut down Gawker. Yes. It's kind of an Elon move, right? Like buying Twitter. Yeah. I mean, different, but, but, but similar, just like putting your money where your mouth, just going all in. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how you, that's the true vote is voting with your money. Right. Anything you want to uh, see grow, put your money into it, buy it, support it, tell people about it versus, you know, other aspects. If, 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 if you spend 12, let's say you spend $1,200 a year at the affiliate, let's say $2,000. Let's say you spend $2,000 a year to be an affiliate and each year you're at that affiliate it gives you 10 more days of life. Let's say it gives you another month of your life. And so you're, you're, that's 30 days for $2,000. That seems like a deal to me over. It's LeBron James spends a million dollars a year on his health. Tom Brady million dollars a year on his health. All these pro athletes are doing it to at my gym. It's under 1500 a year. So, under $1,500 a year compared to a million dollars a year 
what are you putting into it? You know, um, me personally, I'm, I'm one of those guys that, Hey, this changed my life. And this took my life from one direction to, you know, a hard left, uh, turn. And just from what, 2009, I think I started in Afghanistan and I smoked, drank, Guy came to me and goes, Chris Migliar, I'll give him credit. Um, he goes, stop killing yourself running on a treadmill and do this with me every day and you'll get a lot fitter. So um, they actually were doing it for best ranger competition. So if, if, if your affiliate's $1,500 a year, I, I would argue there's this stat out there. It's just a correlate that for every inch taller you are, you make on average like $1,500 more a year or something that like taller people make more money. I would argue that if you can't, that if you are a schlep and you do CrossFit, you will somehow find a way to make an extra $1,500 a year. Your boss will end up seeing the way you look and the way you care about yourself. And those things will make bleed over into making you a better employee and you'll make that money back. You'll get a cooler wife. You'll get your kids will be cooler. People will like you more. I mean, it's such a cheap investment. I get so frustrated when people say that. And, and how much do you want your owner of your gym making a year? I want to making. I want to making a half million dollars a year. I want my gym owner so fucking taken care of. You know what I mean? That guy is like hundred percent. I mean, if you find the right gym owner, that affiliate owner is hundred percent invested in making me live longer. I want him to be a king or her. And I would say. You know, the gym owner, from my view right now, um, like I said, been doing CrossFit since 2009. I opened up an affiliate three years ago. Um, in that time, uh, my community takes care of me in the aspect of um, what this is Small Business Saturday. So if you rewind um, a year ago on this day, ah. Fuck, kind of got me again. Um, that they presented me with a GoFundMe check that they all donated into of like $3,600 out of nowhere. I had no idea. Just, I was working on the next space and they were small business Saturday. Here you go. And, and, nice. and, and look what it did to you. You don't even care about the money. Look what it did to you. It moved you. You were about, you're about to tear oh, up yeah. because it moves you. And then that it's not even the money. It's just like, holy shit. They put that much energy of, you know, that that money is the, is human energy. It's, it's the equivalent to human energy. They had to give time to make that money and they gave it to you. Right. And then, so yeah. you in turn are like, holy fuck, I'm going to give, they're going to get 10 X back on it. Absolutely. I mean, the they just punch. They just emotionally punched you in the gut. Let me know if you want me to come over yeah. there and help help beat <laughs> them up. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's not even all of it. I mean, my birthday party. I turned forty uh, this year, or I, last year, this year still. Um, I was watching the Bengals game, thinking, "Hey, we're not doing anything." You know, my team's finally going to. The Super Bowl um, had one too many IPAs on the couch. Thought we were going to the bar to have dinner with friends. I show up and there's 40 people there. Yeah, and they're 
every single person there was a gym member. And, you know. Hey, your, your, your coworkers at McDonald's don't do that. Your coworkers no. at Twitter don't do that. No. Your, your coworker. Yeah. That's dope, dude. What? That's awesome. And that was set up by my wife. So I got to give her credit on that. And I didn't even know about it. I know everything that goes on in my gym at every single aspect of the gym, I would hope. And she snuck it by me. So I do have an awesome wife. Yeah. I bet you wouldn't have that awesome wife if you didn't do CrossFit. I don't know. You want to hear a funny story? Yeah. Tell me, tell me. I dropped into a box called, uh, New Cuff CrossFit in Kentucky when I was living in South Carolina. My gra- I had uh, to come back because my grandma had passed away. I'm signing out the waiver, and uh, this girl says, I got dibs on that guy in there. And you Sign heard her say it? <laughs> no. She later told me she came out to everybody else at the time and said, I got dibs on that guy signing the waiver. And it ended up uh, being my wife, Rachel. No shit. Did, so it, it was just one drop in and she had to, she knew she has one hour to work out and get your <laughs> phone number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, 15 minutes into the workout, I got offered the coaching job there. So, Oh no uh, shit. Yeah. Were you applying for the coaching job? Nope. I actually was running. So, <laughs> um, started CrossFit in 2009. Um, didn't really and like, you know, in the early stages, it was just, hey, you have main site, you can make shit up on your own, and you can um, work with what you got. There's, we're in Af- Afghanistan. We have two rowers, a couple treadmills, dumbbells, um, and we made it work. Was that and box affiliated was, in Afghanistan, Andy? No. This was – actually, it was uh, me and Chris, who – he was a company commander at the time. Um, and then like people saw us doing it. So they started and then, uh, a couple Navy SEALs, they're like, Oh, you guys do CrossFit. Yeah. Okay. We'll do it too. Uh, a couple special forces guys. Okay. We'll do it too. And we just started writing stuff on the board. Um, putting times up there by far. I got smoked every single time. Didn't understand it. And my movement was shit, (laughs) you know, didn't really know the standard of it. Didn't know. Um, you were reverse kinda, curling 135. Yeah. Yeah. So. 17 minute done, fan with strict, with strict pull-ups. We would do our runs on treadmills. We would do a wall uh, pull-up on a dip bar pull-up machine. Uh, oh, thing. yeah. 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 So, um, but, you know, kind of. Didn't understand it at the time, but in 2012, when I was living in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, this is my probably one one degree from you, Bobby Millsap. Oh, yeah. Know her very well. Fucking legend. OG. So, as hardcore as they get OGs. Yep. I walk in the door, and she goes, Andy, I know rep, Rich, Rich Froning, and I'll know rep you. And I was oh, like. Yeah, she's a hard ass. She's five foot on her best day. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, what did I just walk into? Here's my money. Um, so that one, you know, 
being there taught me a lot. Being at the sport of fitness CrossFit is what her box was called. Um, you know, then I go to Carolina CrossFit, got my L1. Um, I said, they said, what are you doing? I said, I get out in six months. Um, I want to coach here. Six months later, I was the general manager of Carolina CrossFit. And you're talking about people like Anders Varner started there. Um, uh, Meg Ryan. I don't know. Started I, there. Okay. Uh, she's somebody out in California now, I think. Uh, Jen Ryan. Okay. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, you know, so a lot of people started from that gym with Paul Beckwith and taught me a ton, you know, taught me that, Hey, when people come in, they don't want to hear about your, your bullshit. They don't want, they want to have fun. They want a happy day. They want, you know, be that best hour of their day. Um, and then, hey, that was back when probably every affiliate owner also had a personal relationship with Greg. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for, uh, I'm sure Paul. they did. I'm sure they did. Um, I mean, I know obviously Bobby probably did. Very, yeah. Uh, I've been at many a dinner where it's me, Bobby and Greg, many, 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 yeah. many, many. Yeah. And the best part, like with, and I think Bobby, huh, yeah. I got a little fired up there. A young, uh, Andy, a young Andy Schneider. That was, oh shoot, 2014. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, but so you know, go home. My the business was doing a changeover. They uh, a guy named Steve Keys was coming in, bought the business from Paul. Um, and this is Carolina CrossFit. This is Carolina CrossFit in Columbia, South Carolina. So when I, I was born and raised in Kentucky and I went to new cub, a girl who, um, I knew in eighth grade owned the gym and wow, small world. Yeah. Very small world. So, but you know, Kentucky, everybody knows everybody, you know? So, um, Go back. She offered me a coaching job. Um, I was there for a year. I was actually going through a divorce at the time also. Um, and I was like, I'm not dating anybody. I'm done. Just me and my dog and, you know, my You're going to be a monk. You're going to be a monk. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my sons. And um, then freaking six weeks later, I'm dating a girl who called dibs on me. Wow. How old are your sons? Uh, 15 and 13. Oh, congratulations. And then you have more kids. I have a uh, three-year-old daughter. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. God, kids are great. They are great and they are challenging and yes. they are everything and they are fun. <laughs> how how uh, old are you now? I'm 40. Oh yeah. You just turned 40. Yeah. But my wife's 33, so it's all right. Yeah. Um. Uh. Why did you um? You were in the army. Yeah. How old were you when you went into the army? I was twenty-one years old when I went into the army. Why'd you do that? Uh you know, I was in school. I was going to Northern Kentucky University. I 
did not uh, enjoy what I was doing, going to school. I was actually working at my mom's daycare. Um, I've, I've had three jobs. I've worked at my mom's daycare. I've been in the army and I've been a CrossFit coach. Carried gu- so, uh, kids, guns, and weights. Pretty much. Those yeah. Are- all, the first two blended into the, uh, the uh, last one or prepared me for the last one. But I, it was right after, um, not right after it was what a year and a half after nine uh, eleven. Um, the when I was in basic training, they go, "Hey, our president just gave Iraq forty eight hours." A week later, they're like, "You guys know we're at war." Thirty two guys to, were like, "I'm done," and they all lined up for sick call that day, and it was like, "Okay," and those drill sergeants did not did not skip a beat, you know, Hey, look at them. They're, they're not willing to do this. They are here for the college money. I hope you're not here for the college money. It's like, hell I left college because I didn't, didn't want to go to college. Why would I be doing it for the college money? So, um, a lot of great times in the military. Um, you but know. why, why did you go in? You were at the daycare and why did why did you, what made you think army? I don't know. I, I honestly I like, Hey, um, did you have brothers or sisters? I got, I got a brother and sister all younger. Um, and nobody really in my family had gone into the military. One of the guys I worked with at the daycare daycare had gone into the military. Maybe he talked about it a little bit. Um, but were you, you know, searching for something? I think like, I was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I don't some think, discipline, some structure, some see my mom and dad were great. My mom and dad, um, my mom owned, has owned a daycare for 40 years now. Wow. Um, my, and she probably is working today at the daycare. It's not open on Saturdays. She works, you know, um, like my they're dad. cleaning or, or setting up for oh, Monday. Yeah. All, yeah. Workaholic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. And you know, she's 61 years old right now. And. Oh, she had you young. Oh yeah. Yeah. My mom and dad, uh, I was, they are 20 years. Yeah. They were 20 years old when they had me. Wow. Yeah. They're still together. Absolutely. Just out here last week. Two hey, look, look what Jay Hartle says. 50% of my class dropped. I've never heard this. You're how many people you're saying that you're with a couple hundred dudes and then they tell you, Hey, we're going to war. And then the next day, 32 of the dudes are like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sick. I think I was, uh, it was what 52. So like 200, uh, 800 guys we started with. Uh huh. The day they told us that we had 32 uh-huh. drop out, um, not 800, it's 400. Okay. Um, so 32 like, dropped out that day. Like 6% or something. Yeah. Well, I would say over time, they were like, you guys had more drops than anybody else. Because, because the thought of going to war and fighting and possibly dying didn't sit well with those dudes. Right. 
Yeah, I, 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 I kind of don't blame them, but then I kind of wonder why they signed up. Well, I mean. I guess you said it, the college money. Well, you know, some college money, some. Everybody has a different reason. Everybody's reason is different. I've sat in, um, you know, observation points with people, and we just sit there and talk. And you're talking about people from all over. Hey, I had no money. My mom was a crackhead. And this. Hey, you know, my brother and everybody in their family has joined. Uh, they've all gone to school. They've all done this or privileged family. Um, you know, hunters, farmers, you know, everybody from every aspect, Mormon, um, every religion, you know, every aspect of life you will find in the infantry. You know, um, and some wild stories, some, some, maybe they're not all true. Maybe they are. I don't know. Um, but do fucked up I've kids, heard. what do, do fucked up kids make good soldiers? Like this story that we heard yesterday with, um, uh, oh, uh, what's his James? No, am I wrong? The fuck is wrong with me? I, I want to say I know James, it's wrong with me. I'm, I'm 50. It starts with an H. I have to go back. Uh, th this story. Oh yeah. With Jason Tomlinson. Jason. Uh, what if, would he have made a good soldier? Like someone just scoop him up and just take him and be like, Hey, you got to go in the military. Can you just scoop up all those kids and just throw them in the military? You can. Um, it doesn't. And just break them. There's, there's, there's not one model. Okay. You know, it's, I've seen, have you ever, I watched a, uh, um, Netflix documentary, Killer Sally. She was a, she killed her husband, bodybuilder. Um, <laughs> back in a 97, I think it was. Are you recommending uh, this movie? I am recommending it. Uh, okay. But her son, who saw the abuse and saw her mom kill her stepdad, ended up going in the army. I could say it looked like in the pictures, maybe he was a ranger, maybe he was you know, if you, if you ask anybody in the army, they're somebody, they knew somebody who was a ranger. Um, but this guy had, I think he said six deployments and he, what seemed like a good soldier was hard to transition out of the army. Yeah. And you could tell that, Hey, you know, that's probably what made him a good soldier is because he was stone cold the whole time talking about this guy that he watched beat his mom and then she shot him, you know, and that, that early on trauma, you know, probably helped him be a soldier. But then when he got out, it's hard to turn it off. You right. Know? Right. Right. It's, so it might take care of the problem temporarily. If we scooped up all these wild kids on the streets who are shooting heroin, doing drugs, stuck on video games, but in the long, but it's a short-term fix. Maybe you're like, Hey, eventually they got to get out and re and deal with that shit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all got to deal with our own stuff. You know, my wife's a uh, family therapist. So, you know, Holy shit. She's had a crazy two years, huh? Well, I kind of know that she'll never be out of a job. So, right. Um, she, uh, you know, she's talked to me a lot about it. And the aspect of, you know, the gym is a place where 
a person will open up to a coach sometimes more than you want. Um, and sometimes, yeah, <laughs> that was last year. Bengals finally won, uh, went to the Super Bowl in so many did, years. So, did they win? No, they lost oh. to the Rams. Oh. Um, but yeah, the uh, so her kind of insight into hey, this is why people do this. You know, people want to be heard. People want to um, have connection. You know, people being introverted. Yeah, we got an introvert that comes to the gym. She says, and she talks the whole damn time. It's like you're not introverted. You just aren't around people at work. You know, um, but the forgot what we were talking about. Lost train of thought. Um, well, well, let me ask you this. This is totally off subject. Do do marriages get helped when they go? I wonder what your wife's success rate is, or or the success rate. Does does going to counseling help marriages? I can't tell you that. I I don't know. Um, I know that she has come back and said, "Hey, you know, this couple I see, oh, they're finally starting to understand." You know, some people go and it's too late. It's yeah. My, yeah. I know in my first marriage, interesting. Okay. Um, you know, Hey, it was, she wanted me to stay in the military. And I was like, I don't want to stay in the military. Um, who did your wife wanted you? To, oh, oh no. You're talking about example for a couple. Okay. Yeah. My ex and okay. you know, um, and I resented her because she kept pushing me that way. Well, that just grew, 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 grew. And then, you know. God, that's a weird request. That's a weird request to have on your mate to stay in the military. So, you know, you look. I don't mean to pile on her, but. No. Uh, 2007 is when it was up. Right. Uh, currently, so, currently, couples counseling have a success rate of 70%. About 80% of therapists in private practice offer couple therapy. Nearly 50% of married couples have gone to marriage counseling. Okay. But I know that for her, she has always talked about, I'm not there to give them the answer. I'm there to show them the route. Right? You know, this is, hey, okay, how does that make you feel? Okay, how did how did this come about? How did, you know, she's the one asking the questions. They're filling in the blanks. And they're the ones working it out. She can't give them the, or she doesn't have the, the answers. And they probably couple. come in. They probably come in there too, being like, "Oh, I'm going to show my wife this. This therapist is going to side with me." But that's not what you don't go there. Like, that's not what a good therapist doesn't do. That they let you guys come to the. They lead you to the sort of the answer. They give you the road and the tools to solve your own issues. Yeah, and <laughs> the. The ones who leave are the ones who don't like what she says. Or she, you know, if they think it's one way, then, okay, well, she's not seeing it my way, so she must be wrong. No. Eventually, you're going to run into somebody saying, hey, it's you, you know, or they're not going to say that out loud, but eventually after your fourth fifth therapist you would think they'd probably be like maybe it's me so um and thousands of dollars later 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I w- if, if I went to counseling with my wife, I'd try to fix that shit quick. It's all my fault. Just so I could get the stop paying the money. Um, uh, how how long were you in the army? Twelve years. Holy cow! And in in what year? And you went in in two thousand two. So you were in seven years before you found CrossFit. I was in two thousand three, so six years. Um, when I started, I found CrossFit in two thousand and nine. And then, um, I mean, CrossFit is the reason I got out. I was like, every day at CrossFit is great. I love every day at CrossFit. I don't love every day in the military. So you and, found it, and, and, and so you loved it. it. It was love at first sight. As soon as you had your first workout, you were like, I'm in. Um, so I did in 2009 with friends. 2012 joined a box. And that's when... That was when it changed, you know, uh, joined sport of fitness, went to Carolina, but you were still in the army. Um, yeah. So my last, so I will say one of the best aspects of, uh, the army is that I had great leadership in, in South Carolina. They knew I was getting out. They said, Hey, we want you to show up. I was running a rappel tower and a qual range. Um, they said, I want you to show up at nine o'clock and work till three. And they said, yeah, so show up. So I would work from what? Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Victory Tower. That's how you're supposed to come down right there. That dude's no, doing it right. Oh, oh, oh. no, no. We, that's one of the demos. <laughs> no. That's called Aussie. Uh, that's just what you do. That's as in our demo, like, Hey, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you are not supposed to do. And this is what the cool guys do. Okay. So, um, that guy actually right there was the reason I joined, uh, Dunlop. He is the reason I joined Bobby's box. He goes, Hey, will you go and check out this gym with me? You've done it before. And I walked in on the second week, uh, no, burpees. Um, so 2012, uh, seven minutes of burpees. And he goes, yeah, this is what we're doing. I was like, all right, let's do it. I signed up and he didn't. <laughs> and, and, and you were going to say that you had good leadership because they had you work the rappel tower from nine to three. Oh, yeah, so... They were like, hey, just show up nine to three, um, run the tower, and then you can do what you want before and after. So I would go to Carolina. I would coach the five and six o'clock class. I would get a workout, dress and showered, go run the rappel tower till three, coach four, five, and six some days, but would coach um, or just stand there and watch coaching. Um a lot of the guys who I was coaching with went to Columbia, South Carolina, or USC, University of South Carolina's um, uh, extra science department, master's program. So it was like so much knowledge in that aspect or in that gym. We had 600 members. Wow. And this place is huge. Um, guy who used to run 
the East Coast media team, Josh Lehu. I don't know. I, the name sounds okay. familiar. Um, yeah, so he he was there too, um, but they did a very good job of building it up. I would sit there and watch these guys and just learn how to coach from Paul. And um, there was, you know, so much knowledge. I was just soaking it up. And then after a while, you know, they saw like, hey, this dude really loves this. He's into it. He's invested into the gym. Let's make it a general manager. So became general manager, outworking guys who were doing, you know, every knew every muscle and everything in the body um, and how the body worked and how the body functioned. You know, I was just reading Kelly Sturette's book, Brian McKenzie's book. Um, who else did they say? Uh, yeah, every every book that uh, Barbell Shrugged put out on their top four books, I think I bought that day. And, and probably the leadership, oh, yeah. probably the leadership and structure that you were um, getting from the military set you apart from other people, which probably also made you a great general manager of the gym. Yeah, and you know the uh, that that one aspect of they didn't have to let me do it they didn't they could have maybe come in at six and do pt they could have um you know held me after but they were like no hey um sergeant first class logan i think he still lives in south carolina um (laughs) it was just like schneider (sighs) we just stop talking about the stuff all day long I was like, all right, man. He's like, I'm not going to do CrossFit. He's like, I'm a six foot four, 280 pound black man living in South Carolina. I love, I love just sitting on the couch and watching TV. Just stop talking and tell me I need to do CrossFit. Like, all right, son. Did he eventually do it? He, one day he was like, all right, tell me about it. And that's about as far as I got. (laughs) So. Where do you live now? I live in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. How did you How did you end up there? Uh, after my divorce, um, the courts decided to go with my wife, and she got to take the kids out here. This is where we originally met because I was in the uh, fourth fourth ID out here. So moved out here in 2016 to follow your uh, sons. To follow my sons, yeah. Good dude. Good dude. And then my girlfriend at the time, wife now, um, said she would come out. So um, that's a good sign, by the way. Some people, some people might not understand that. They might be like, "Hey, that's your ex-wife. Why are you going out there?" If if you're if you want to be with a man or a woman, and they're following their kids around, that's a good sign. That's a keeper. What you're seeing there are traits of integrity, loyalty, commitment. It, it's it's so interesting how some people might take that personally and get like jealous or upset. And no. I've heard that story so many times. And that's not the way to look at that. You you want to see how people like treat the waiter and waitress when they go out, not how they treat you. 
And so like, if you're, it, it's, it's awesome that your, your, your wife saw that, right? She's like, okay, this is real dad material. This is real husband material. Look at his commitment and his integrity. Yeah. I, I think her only question was, so there's a seven year difference between me and my wife. Her only question was, are you done having kids? And I said, uh, I mean, I, uh, honestly, I thought about it, uh, that I was done. And then I met her and, um, I said, I think I said like, I'll, I won't have a kid after I'm 37 and we got a three-year-old daughter. So I, I had my first one when I was 43. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know why I said that, but it was just right. like, you know, maybe whatever. And she was like, okay. And that was it. And now you have a beautiful daughter. Now I have a beautiful daughter who's she. So the gym is the gym is only four months older than her. And 2019, you opened your gym. Yes, 2019. Um, what October? She was born January. So when you get to Colorado Springs and you're there with, was she your wife then, or, or just your girlfriend? My girlfriend. And what, how do you guys, you guys just both just started a new life there, had to find jobs and a house and. Yeah. Um, so I had a house there from the military. Um, I had saved some money and when the housing market isn't what it used to be. So having a house already was good. We actually moved in the first night. We didn't even sleep there pretty much had to renovate the whole house, tear out the carpets, tear out everything for so many days. But day one, we moved, uh, we came here, we drive the truck down. Um, we stayed at a hotel and then came to the house, unpacked for about five hours and then went to a CrossFit gym. Wow. Wow. And, and so you were at a CrossFit gym for how many years there before you decided to open your own? So I was at, did you know, always uh, know you were going to open a gym? No, no. Okay. I, uh, I was, I was actually, so school and this is why I left college was school is hard. You know, um, I, I hated it. The thing that helped me and <laughs> the thing that, um, podcasting, uh, I listened to Barbell Shrug since 2012, and those guys, every Wednesday, it was like a lesson for the the week. It was uh, Bledsoe, Larson, and more. Um, and every week, a new guest, and pretty much with the uh, attached to the internet, then I just study what they would talk about, you know. Um, the so that aspect of it was a big key in me learning because I never in the army it was like hey point shoot hey take three steps this way and do that you know so they broke it down every aspect to uh, physical there was not a lot of uh, not a lot of test taking I waited till 2014 to take my level one because I was afraid. That I was going to fail. I'm still afraid 
of taking tests. I even to the point where I'm, I would say I'm a very good coach. I probably have coached, I don't know, um, 5,000 plus classes and I failed my L2. Just, I get into a test in that test format. I had to fly out to San Diego to take my L2 before my L1 expired. So um, I didn't think I was going to it because of that. Is it and written? Then, is the L2 test written? Yes. Okay. It's not, you yes. just, you don't, you don't coach in front of someone and they critique you. You do. Okay. Um, actually, that was the first time I ever coached a games athlete at my L2, Michelle McKinney. Oh, wow. A good games athlete. Yeah. This is in 2019. Nope. Uh, yeah. Beginning of 2019. Was she on the L1 team, Michelle? Mc, Michelle, no, no, she okay. was taking her L2. And uh, and I literally just stand there, you know. Hey, same body as class. Tia Toomey. Do you notice that? Yeah. She was a little as- smaller because she wasn't competing. Um, so she probably had lost maybe 10 pounds, but I think she had talked about, she's like, hey, you know, I'm not competing anymore because I think she wanted to start. A, we talked and she wanted to start a family soon. And um, it's just not going to happen with running a gym, trying to compete, trying to raise a family. Um, I think it was her uh, maybe girlfriend that they were talking about. So um, she definitely had a girlfriend. I can't remember who it was, but she definitely. Right. I, yeah. And so um, that was, I always laugh. I'm like, well, I, even Becky, Becky, uh, the L one and L two instructor, it's like, don't worry, you're coaching a CrossFit Games athlete, so try to find a flaw. It's like, ah, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I never thought. And then I think when my wife told me we got serious and started to try to have a baby, I was like, hey, I asked the owner at the gym I was at. I said, can I buy in to your gym? I'm running from five to one. I run this gym. I do your, a lot of your social media. You know, I don't want to go somewhere and start. I like what we have here. They said no every month for four months. And then, and I understand why. Hey, you know, awesome. You, you want to, you know, do it. But I was kind of like, I think I should do this on my own because I want to have ownership. I want to have something at the end of the day. And, at 37 years old, I was thinking, like, okay, this is a time. And I found a small spot, 1,340 square feet, dumped about $30,000 into it. And wow. And I mean, you're talking a small spot. So in Colorado Springs, is that the spot you have now? No. So we are on our fourth spot in three years. And so I, we were there in that spot for three months in January. I negotiated with my landlord to a bigger spot, which one went to 2250. And when I did that, I mean, it was a dance studio. I ripped it all out in like 10 days. I moved everything out and everything in again, Thank you for having a great community because they all helped me move the stuff and hang all the racks and um, 
just everything that kind of goes with changing a gym, every gym mat, every, um, every piece of equipment. So, uh, December we moved and then COVID happened in what, uh, January, 2020. That was, uh, oh yeah. COVID happened in March. So five months. Well, uh, shutdowns came in March. Okay. So, so you moved again. So we, that building, so good things that come. I had six weeks. The, the place was split into two sections and they had a wall going down the middle during the six week, four weeks shutdown, whatever it was, I tore down that wall. So you went from Which, 1340 to 2200. And then when you tore down the wall, you went to bigger. Uh, well, it went, so it was 14 to, to like two twelve, two twelve uh, hundred foot spaces. And uh-huh. then I tore the wall down to make that it. Gave, yeah. That gave you what? Yeah. 20, 2250 or 20. Another, uh, so another double the size. So took yeah. you 4,000. No, oh. no, no, no. So each part was 1100. Let's call it. Okay. And then I tore down the middle section combined 2200. Okay. And that was your so, second gym. Right. And then, so yeah, we went from, I started with seven members, January 1st, I had 17 members, March, February 1st, I had uh, 25 members, March 1st, I had 52 members. Wow. And then we shut down on the 17th. And I think we opened back up on the 1st of May and I had 54 members. So I you gained put on, you members. put on three, you put on three members during the shutdown, two members during the shutdown, Corinne and uh, Patrick Jackson. Wow. Yeah. They just said, uh, I was like, Oh, they're like, no, we want to, we want to pay because we want to make sure this gym's here when we get, when we get through this stuff. Yes. Yeah, like, people, you know, Oh, Okay. Like, awesome. You know, um, and then we've been growing ever since, you know, the people who went to Orange Theory couldn't go to Orange Theory. Okay, I, I want to work out. I'm going to try this uh, CrossFit thing out just for a little bit. Um, teenagers. Have you ever heard of uh, having what, 10 teenagers in a adult class? No, I have, I've had it. I've had it still. Um, I had four girls that were working out before school and after school. Wow. 14 years old. Snatching. I bet you, I bet you they have good parents. I bet you they have good parents. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, uh, one of the girls I work with still Gabby green, um, She's 15, turned 15 in, what, July? I think right before her birthday, she snatched 130 or 127 Crazy. at 15. Um, you know, Andy, they come in. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, they their whole family comes to the gym. 
the entire family. We're talking mom, dad, uh, Gabby and her sister, Adeline, and then the son, Aiden, just joined uh, last month. So, you know, that's not the only family that has more than two people. I would say we have 10 families that have more than two people that come to the gym. So, you know, the, the support of your family members doing what is going to, one, keep you going, you know, is that accountability within your family, you know? Did you, did you, so those were two boxes, but I thought you said you had four, you, you ended up moving four times. Did you end up moving again? Yeah. So July, 2021 started getting into, uh, arguments with my landlord and a spot at the end of the parking lot opened up. And I talked to that guy and I said, Hey, you know, what's the, what's the thing here? And he goes, uh, I got 2,400 feet, but if you wait six months, then I'll have 3,600 square feet. I go, Oh, I kind of need to move now. He goes, well, do you just want to take that 24 and then wait till this company down at the end of the building moves? It's like, sure. In 10 days, we move the gym. Again. Again. Wow. So that wasn't as that was just a temporary spot. I think we were there for six months. Uh the space we're in right now will never leave unless I moved too many times. I've done too much construction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sounds tore down. the thought of moving stresses the sh- me out crazy. I I had people who moving they're like, man, we just don't understand why you keep moving. I'm like, this is going to be a bigger spot, a better spot. And it is. Everybody loves I mean, today you go in there and it is, it's only got a 13 foot ceiling. So you can't do full 15 foot rope climbs, but you can do legless rope climbs. Yeah. There you go. You, you know, we have, uh, yeah, that's it. Actually, you see that blue wall back there? I just tore that out last week. Oh, okay. Where the rowers are. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and and, and is, how's the gym doing? Good, really good. I actually and I have somebody who works for me, um, a young kid, uh, twenty-one. Him and his wife uh, come came to the gym first day. I think was Murph. Um, he had mentioned that he's coming from Arizona um, and California. I think he was born and raised in California, but they had just graduated. He was going through school for finishing his degree in science of nutrition. And then, you know, I'm like, start talk to him, said, you want to try coaching? He has coached before um, kind of our little on-ramp process where he watches me for a week. And then I let him brief. And then, um, you know, and the thing that with, I think, any CrossFit coach and any uh, CrossFit mentor, um, I can show you anything. I can show you every movement. I've, I've uh, probably tried every movement on the internet um, at least once. And like, 
but I can't teach you how to have a good personality and you got a good personality. So, you know, just keep that, listen to me and you're going to go long, a long way. And he's great. You know, people love him. Um, the, he started working with me with nutrition. Um, you know, I recently just did a competition last weekend and I've gone to regionals on a team back in 2016. And I would say I'm in better shape right now than when I went back then. Wow. You know, and, and just in the aspect of I'll beat my body down, you know, after the military and, you know, for, from the military and, um, the first couple of years of training was just like train as much as you can, as long as you can, and you'll get better. You know, um, now being a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, you know, just like anybody, you know, we mature in the sport and we learn from our mistakes. Um, and that, and I said in August, I said, I'm not going to drink for 90 days. And I stopped drinking. I think I went 110 days with one beer. And the beer was because November 5th, we scheduled a uh, a happy hour social at a bar. <laughs> we were like, you can go to the bar and not drink. I was like, I'll have one. You know, um, I can have one beer. And I did. And, you know, in that time, I went from 16% body fat to 12% body fat. Wow. From two what, 205 to 198. Wow. Um, hey, do you, you know, do you think it was – do you think it was – I always think think about this with drinking. It's not even so much that the quitting the drinking is what makes you lose weight. It's that you just stop making other bad decisions. So when you're not drinking, you don't just sit down at 10 o'clock at night and eat a pound of uh, cashews. Right. So, so kind of, you, have, you have more discipline. The Everything gets better. Yeah, like today. So – if I was sitting there on the couch drinking beer last night, watching football, I wouldn't wake up today till six or seven. Today I woke up every day. I wake up at three thirty, maybe a little bit before four. Wow! So I already worked out. Wow! I already fixed the bathroom um, at the gym. I already worked out. I already, uh, you know, did what I needed to do at the gym. That's three and a half hours of work that I wouldn't be able to do before. You know, so you I go got more bed? time. Um, daughter goes to bed at hopefully eight. Uh-huh. So me and my wife are usually in bed at about eight fifteen. Wow, that's impressive. That's really impressive. Wow. But I mean, yeah, that's like when you guys text me, I was like, it's way past my bedtime, bro. <laughs> way I, past. I met uh, Andy last weekend at Turkey Challenge High. Oh, Julia, Julia yes. Chief. Yeah, I think she was running the jump rope because uh, I had everybody. I was wearing the TDC TD CEO shirt. Yeah, yeah. So everybody I was approve. like, "Oh, I love your shirt." Awesome. Uh, so, um, so you survived COVID. You survived the shutdowns. The gym survived. Great. We did better. Yeah. You know, I don't know where the gym was projected, but um, I think it woke some people up and. You know, it provided kids an outlet. It provided 
parents and outlet it provided you know more like hey i don't want to be i don't want to be by myself anymore i want to be around a community so kind of now i think we have the privilege of remembering oh you know remember the six weeks like when we had to sit inside or had to wear a mask everywhere that was another piece you know um one of the things in the army is like hey you guys are grown-ass men or you're grown-ass people um if you want to wear a mask when you work out awesome i'm not going to say anything unless you pass out right. um that's nice and, of you. and and one person wore a mask for the warm-up and after the warm-up nobody ever did it again and i wouldn't have i wouldn't have said that you know hey um, or shamed him in any way or made fun of him, you know, that is Good their personal you. choice, yeah. but don't tell me I have to make people do something, you know, and that, that was a choice we all made, you know, I think and I, I, some gyms did awesome. Cool. You know, um, we didn't, and that's that I had a guy come in from, they traveled here during COVID from new york and he was like one of the reasons we we stayed here is because we didn't have to work or we didn't have to uh wear a mask when we worked out and everything's remote so we just stayed out here and came to the gym so i'll never i'll never forget i don't remember what the boxing match was it was canelo versus someone i think it was in houston it was the largest indoor boxing event in the history of the united states and it was during COVID and no one in there was wearing masks, but in my town, everyone was wearing masks. So it was, re- it was really a weird situation, right? The people, what I mean, in Idaho, like Idaho never did anything. And so it was, it was such a trip for people who traveled because you would just see these different areas of pe- how people were dealing with it. But for people who don't, yeah. I mean, it, it was, a, it was a trip. I just, by the way, I just went into the, um, there's this kind of like high end, market little mom and pop market right by where my kid plays tennis you know what i mean like the, like they got everything fancy there everything's like a dollar more it's like fancy chocolates fancy deli meats fancy it's just a fancy place and um they just last week took down their plastic barriers oh yeah yeah we had, and i was uh, kind of surprised i thought that no one in california would ever take those down and i told the kid there who's working behind the counter and he goes i go oh this is nice that your plastic barriers are down he goes not really it's, it's flu season now i was like and it was 17 year old kid i was like all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah see i agree i agree with you though wholeheartedly to each his own i do yeah, find it interesting I, though that that person wore the mask during the warm-up and then it's it, i i know what I, I i mean this is arrogant of me to say but i know what happened they started working out and they had clarity of mind. And when you stop, when you start working out and you start focusing on your breath, your thoughts go away. And it is thoughts that people have that legitimate or not that, that oppress them. People oppress themselves with their own thoughts. And so, you know, you're, you start working out and you have clarity of mind, you start breathing your, and then you're like, fuck this. Like I'm, I, your fear just vanishes because fear is thoughts, right? Right. I mean, That's I what I would guess. Speculate, you know, I, okay. I'll do the speculating. Things- yeah. Can you tell I'm married to a therapist? Uh, yeah, that's very, very healthy. I just noticed that it, all my problems go away when I start working out. And the reason why they go away is because my thoughts go away around them. I, I start yeah. I start really focusing on other shit, my breathing, my movement. 
And when I stop thinking, all my shit gets better. That's why I would say that's why I started CrossFit. I'm in Afghanistan. Hey, let's do this really hard workout Mm -hmm. to escape where we are. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, we come back. When I came back, maybe I stuck with it for a a year or so. um, And then it kind of went in and out. And I would do it on my own. I'd have a rower. And then I joined the box. And then it was like, okay, now I have structure. Now I have one hour a day where I can get away from all the stuff going on in my head, dealing with the army, dealing with deployments, you know, all the PTSD aspects of it. And then you there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I, I hear you. Um, so, you know, that aspect of it, I think, you know, I knew about, or have known tw- over 20 plus guys that I joined or not joined, but was served with who have, you know, committed suicide in one no way, shape or another. Shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, how many times were you deployed? Three. Some hard deployments. Yeah. Um, you ever, you ever watch any stuff on Netflix? Um, Restrepo, Corngall. Um, uh-huh. Yep. Those Netflix documentaries. I was there. Yep. Not with that unit. We were there after that unit. Um, actually, we what, were the unit replaced the unit. Yeah. What What, um, what was your job in the military? Infantry. That's why if you see the. And what is infantry? You carry, you, you basically fight. Those are the guys who fight. Yeah. I mean, so you think about Castro and them, they're tier one operators. You know, they're going after small cells. They're going after. Um, they're kind of leading the charge and teaching other countries to fight. You know, we're just a normal door kicker. Um, go in clear, um, you know, normal. Um, we're on patrol every single day. We would run, um, there's a book called lethal warriors and, um, or you could even watch the PBS special, the wounded platoon that talks about it a lot. Um, you know, we would go out and look for people putting bombs on the side of the road. Um, you know, clearing route route security, Mad Max, stuff like that. And, and, and how long was your, how long was your deployment? Your deployment? I did. Uh, yep. Um, all in remember, Iraq, all in Iraq. No, two in Iraq and uh, one in Afghanistan. Holy shit. So that one right there is from, I think that that highlights a lot of the first tour back in 04, 05, and then some of the, and a lot of the six and, yeah, that one's from six and seven. So 20 guys and you then, were deployed with then came back bec- and because of the trauma that they experienced? They, and this they, is over time. This isn't right. Right. This isn't uh, you know. Uh, this isn't right. Um, you know. And and I would say, I had a guy third day in Iraq kill himself. The the medic. While you're deployed, he killed himself. Yeah, he actually shot himself the third day there. He shot himself in a porta potty. Holy shit! What's that do to yeah. the rest? Does that freak everyone out? Um. It was 
it was eye-opening. Um, nobody understood why there was no message. There was no letter. There was, you know, most of it is like, hey, you know. Or why did you guys spot it? I, I would put so much pressure on myself. I'd be like, fuck, why didn't I see that? Right? I Well, so we always had a fire guard. And what's that? Somebody that's when everybody else is sleeping, somebody else is uh, awake, kind of um, like standing guard, you would okay. call it. Okay. And and I think I was standing guard, and I was like, "Hey, why isn't Doc here?" And about a twenty four hours later, or not even uh, twenty four hours later. It was like, hey, we haven't seen this kid in 24 hours and we're on base. Like, we got to find him. And we found him like five, six hours later in a porta potty. Holy shit. And they never really, they never really told us why, um, why he did it, you know? And at 20, what was I, 23, 24, you know? Um, yeah, so they didn't really go into it. Um, now since then, you know, it's hard to adjust. And I think that CrossFit, you know, helps you adjust fitness, helps you adjust, um, being around people helps you adjust some people who were the best soldiers that have ever known. You there? Thank you. Yep. Yep. My phone. Okay. Um, they just, they were able to, or they were unable to reconnect. And sadly, you know, um, they, a lot of, a lot of guys don't want to get help. Uh, you know, I understand. And they didn't want to get help. They didn't want to, deal with their problems and you know they end up doing that and you know taking their own life and it's sad you know a lot of them it's horrible you know have horrible. Uh, friends family you know uh sons daughters wives that they could have gone and talked to that they that could have helped them the Bruce Wayne, I had a buddy kill himself a few weeks ago. I saw some crazy stat, like, I don't remember the exact stat, but it was like one of the years or like six people in the U.S. military died of COVID, 569 killed themselves. It was just one year. I was like, what the fuck? And now I think it's even more, um, a lot of them, you know, I wouldn't even say kill themselves intentionally, you know, they drink or do drugs um, to the point where, they either overdose or, you know, uh, choke on their own vomit. Um, Jay Hartle, 22 a day. That's really the pace. Holy fuck. Yeah. So the, uh, do you have military, a lot of military guys in your gym? Yeah. I mean, it's a military town. So, um, I would say 20, 30% in some aspect. Um, which is nice because they can talk to each other at least, right? Or they can see that their that their comrades are there. Yeah, there's a lot. Say Air Force Academy is right there, um, and then 
being a big retirement uh, spot for Army, I would say Army more because of Fort Carson. Um, but yeah, I, I still see buddies who I haven't, I was at Ace Hardware last year and, um, one of the guys, uh, ran into him after 10 years. So Um, but I, I don't know. Tell me, tell yeah. me, tell me. He was the guy you deployed with Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, you see people down the road, you don't know their, their struggles and stuff like that, but, um, it's, uh, he didn't look good, this guy? No, he didn't. And they, one of the best soldiers ever um, deployed with. Some, like, great distinguished awards. And, you know, you can tell that what he did over there kind of disrupted the rest of his life. And it's sad. It sucks. So, you know, a lot of those guys, uh, they, uh, they can't recover, don't want to recover, don't want to move on, and it sucks. But, you know, if they ever – they just got to know that if they ever do decide to kind of come back from that, um, you know, we're there for them. Uh, Andy, thank you for your service. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for standing firm. Thank you. But it's, you know – Oh, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. But your phone audio is good. Your phone audio oh, is, is great. Okay. It, it, either way, either way, it's great. Your phone audio is great. Okay. Um, H- how long have yeah. you been? How long have you been out? Um, April two thousand fifteen. I I wonder how many box owners are are former uh, military guys. I would say a lot. Me too. Um, Do you think? Do you think that the do you think that um, CrossFit's base is is still the military and first responders? Yes, me too. But I think the base is. Um, but I think that in order to grow, and I think that in order to, you know, when I came to Bobby's gym, it was you know, I'm going to no rep the shit out of you. Right. And now the times have changed. Everything, everything goes through evolution, right? Um, football, basketball, baseball, college football, um, all these sports have been around for hundreds of years. You know, I know everybody gets bent out of shape when they talk about how oh, they're changing it again. It's like, yeah, we're changing it again to make it a better product. Right. And, I hope that's the goal. Yeah. I I mean, isn't that always? Fuck, I don't know. I know a lot of decisions that are made around people's personal egos over what's best for uh, the affiliates, what's best for 
the sport, what's best for, and, and I'm sure a lot, a lot of shit is, is, is no, I, I, I can't, I, I wish I could agree with you on that, but I don't think that that's true. And I also think that the brand value of CrossFit comes from the U S military, from the U S military. Right. Let me say that again from the United States. I think the brand value of CrossFit comes from the United States military, not, not, not the French military, not the foreign legion, not the fucking uh, Brazils, whatever the fuck they got. I think it comes, the brand value of CrossFit comes from the United States military. And I think that there's nothing fucking wrong with that. Just like there's nothing wrong that Javiana slip sandals come from Brazil and those motherfuckers wear a lot of sandals. And so we want their sandals because they know how to wear sandals. And I think that the fact that the U.S. military, the greatest fighting force this planet has ever seen, has embraced CrossFit to fucking make their warriors the best humans they can possibly be mentally, emotionally, and physically is what gives this brand value. And so I, I just, I just, maybe I'm just too old school, but I, but I'm, I would, I'm willing to bet two inches of my cock on it. I, <laughs> it, I, I really, uh, I think that that's not to say that every soccer mom should want to do it. You should want to do it too, because you have to carry your kid off the soccer field or out of a burning building, or I still think it should be completely accessible to everyone. So, and, and okay. And so don't get me wrong. I'm I not saying it should be exclusive, but it's okay when, right. Like, like I want the tires on my car that were made by the same guy who made the tires for formula one, even though I don't need those exact tires. Right. Right. The, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I think that you can go, I was a, there was a time in between opening up a gym here and um 2017 where i went to 24-hour fitness and i was a personal trainer okay okay i walked in the door and my first two weeks i sold fifteen thousand dollars of fitness wow and they were to the point where i didn't even know how to ring people up and they were like, what do you mean you just sold a membership? You're not even, you're on your on-ramp or onboarding. And I was like, yeah, I just sold this guy. Like, uh, uh, he's going to train with me three days a week for 12 weeks. And they're like, okay, hold on one second. You know, uh, and what did I do with them? I did CrossFit. And $15,000 of sales in, ah, there's one of them. That's not him. But that guy was awesome. Guy's he a was a, yeah, that's his first time ever deadlifting. Wow. Did you read the post? No, it's this like, is my client, Larry, 64 years old. Larry's never deadlifted a barbell before, but made sure to point, well, it's not my first deadlift. I remember he works for the coroner's office, so he knew how to brace and get into good position. Oh, shit. Yeah, lifting dead bodies is horrible. That, yeah. That'll fuck your back up. Uh, he also pointed uh, that learning how to deadlift properly was connected to one of his favorite hobbies. I mean, that's a, I, that's a huge a deadlift for the first time he deadlifted. Yeah, yeah. And his wife, he was like, oh, I don't know about this. And I was like, here. And I just started talking to him. He's like, this is what we're going to do. And he loved it. He's still, uh, you know. 185. After Yeah. After five sessions, he was like, every every time he came in, he deadlifted. And he never deadlifted before or never even. Uh, he would always go over to the cardio machines and I'm like, no, I'm going to show you guys this. And, um, you know, even at 24-hour fitness, what I, in my second, after my second week there, I was showing their trainers different movements and trainers that had been there for 10 years. And I'm like, how do you guys not know this? Well, 
their two-hour block of instruction for personal trainers after you pass the personal trainer test was like, hey, these are the movements you should use. And I was like, this is it? Their, their whole thing was selling, you know? So they wanted you to sell memberships. Oh, that's not trained people. Not trained people. Right. They wanted you to sell. And I, so it was like, well, I don't understand this. Um, and that aspect of it, it was like, well, this, this isn't for me. This isn't, they wanted to keep me, they wanted to make me a, a fitness, assistant fitness manager. I hadn't been there six months. And I'm like, no, because everything you want is, you want me to sell, sell, sell. I just want to train people. So that's when I went back to. Uh, Bruce Wayne says process. you did it all with your looks. Bruce says you're nothing but a pretty face. He's a pretty handsome guy, so I can see. I know. Privileged, yeah. privileged. <laughs> How long did you last there? Six months. Yeah. I was there six months and uh, it was it was down in Castle Rock, Colorado. Um, the it, it just wasn't that I, I was like, oh I'm gonna you know, this is gonna be a different aspect. Everybody who I trained, I said, you know what? Stop spending sixty-five dollars an hour. Go down to CrossFit Loop. Go down to Beaver Menace. Go down to uh, go across the street to CrossFit uh, Castle Rock. Join that gym, and you're gonna you're gonna be fine. You're gonna spend less money than you are here. Um, and I would say, for the most part, most of them did that. Going back to, to the military thing. Why do you think that the subject is so emotional for you? Because life is so precious and you met so many good guys and, and, and in that job, life is in the balance that you saw so much life in the balance. Yeah. I mean, after, after the military is a 12 years of my life, it was one of the biggest aspects of growing up. You know, I have, uh, three best friends that still live in Kentucky that live probably, you know, within, you know, 20 miles of our, high school um you know my mom and dad still live in the same house that i used to throw parties in um the you know so the experience that i gained through the military you know my mom and dad great people hard workers you know i would say growing up i wasn't the hardest worker um because i was a kid and Maybe at sometimes, you know, um, just a, a pain. Um, but when I grew up in the military, you know, and I got to know kids and watch them come and go and, you know, taken too early, um, makes you appreciate things and come at things from a dim- different perspective. It could be worse, Right. It could be worse is what um, kind of go th- goes through my mind. You know, yeah, I'm working a lot. Yeah, I actually, I don't even consider myself working anymore. Like, I love going to the gym. I live within, you know, a mile of the gym, mile and a half of the gym. Oh, that's and, awesome. And we're even going to move closer. We're going to move like two blocks from the gym. And <laughs> my wife says, do you think you will 
work more. It's like, maybe not. But I'll say Tra- yeah. You'll travel less. You'll travel less. <laughs> so, um, you know, and the the military has shaped me in, in that aspect of, you know, knowing what's out there, knowing you are homeless, right? So yep. you know what it's like to be homeless. Yeah. I know what it's like to go to bathroom on a porta potty every day. Right. I know what it's like to go on over a bucket every day. Right. Um, I know what it's like being pinned down in a house, you know, and meaning, meaning people are shooting at you and you can't get out. Right. Right. So, you know, um, car doesn't start. Okay. That sucks. Doesn't mean you can't have bad days. Doesn't mean, you know, some days, you know, here when, you know, people leave the gym that it doesn't hurt or, um, you know, you don't, you know, that it's easy. It just means, okay, we're going to get through it. You know, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. Um, you know, having teenage boys, everything is so definitive right now. Everything is, you know, this person said this about me or, um, you know, this person, you know, every, every day is a make or break day for a teenager. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Military has, Go ahead. Like you've been around a lot of military people, you know, it, it shapes you. And um, it, it was, it was hard lessons, but, you know. You never, the, when you've gone through the stuff that maybe you've been through or other military guys have been through too, there's this talk that you would, you would assimilate back. But the truth is, is you never assimilate back because the vast majority of the public doesn't have, and I don't mean this in a mean way, this is going to sound harsh, but they don't have your depth. And so how can they have the emotional depth that you have where, and, 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 and the values that you have in life when they haven't been in those really uh, situations that are really on the edge? Like, right. like some people, like some people would think, oh, that sucks that uh, you had to shit in a bucket. Whereas you're like, no, what are you talking about? We had, to- we actually had toilet paper. Like exactly. your values yeah. have just been totally fucking changed. I can't yeah. believe, I can't believe I have to eat this turkey with this stuffing on it. And when I'm homeless, I'm like, holy fuck, I can't believe I'm eating warm food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it, it's everything it's, changes and it, and it right. never leaves you and it never leaves you and it makes you a better person. I mean, if, if you don't, if you don't, I think if you don't let it leave you, they kind of want you to assimilate, but wait, a, those are the things that actually give me depth and, and value. Know, yeah. A little depth. I would say even in some aspects, patience, you know, yes, patience yes. is you have people in the gym, you have people that come in and some people you can give a cue to and they're done. Some people after 10 cues, you're like, what? Why don't, why can't they get it? Right. Okay. A little patience, a little time. If you can just help them get one, if you can just help them get one inch lower today, you know, I tell people, Hey, if you can squat all the way down, great. If you can't, we're going to work with where you're at today, not where we want you tomorrow. And 
that's going to take time. That's going to take mobility. You know, that, that it's patience with yourself. People get frustrated. You know, I can't snatch this. Well, you're doing an Olympic weightlifting, your Olympic weightlifting stuff they do in the Olympics. Right. Uh, or used to do. Um, <laughs> the, the, we got Olympians in the gym. Yeah. Guys who have uh, Olympic medalists um, in Greco Roman wrestling, you know, and these, you know, you're talking about, and they can't do that movement. And they're, you know, they're not frustrated. They understand the process. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and I think that a lot of people, they just want things now. If, if, if you just, this is off subject a little bit, but do you know how many fucking Olympians go to fu- ex Olympians go to CrossFit gyms? If you want to meet an Olympian, I swear to God, you all you'd have to do is go to five CrossFit gyms and you'll find an Olympian. Isn't it fascinating that those great people then? So same with professional athletes. You want to meet a professional athlete in some sport? Just start going around a couple boxes. I guarantee you, every single town with a handful of boxes has. You can meet a Navy SEAL. You can meet an Olympian. Uh, you can meet a CEO of one of the biggest companies. You can meet um, uh, uh, an ex-professional fighter. Like it's so oh. obvious that's where the fucking great people go. Look at the – so I'll plug his book. Yeah. So he owes me anything he sells from here. Adam okay. Wheeler, Believe and Achieve uh-huh. um, is his uh, book. But he's coming to the gym. Um, I think it was Beijing 2008 Olympics. He was a SWAT team member. Um, um, he, uh, what else? He was SWAT team, firefighter, cop, you know, he was a, he was a, he was an Olympian in wrestling. Greco Roman wrestling. Yeah. Those guys are a different breed. Holy shit. No audio book, Adam, no audio book. (laughs) Come on, Adam. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, what I think uh, he was a bronze medal. So he's a fire investigator down in what uh, Denver now, Denver Metro, I think. Listen to this but, one. He was one in fifteen as a freshman in wrestling and went on to go to the Olympics. What a that's that's more impressive than going to the Olympics. Holy shit! Yeah, he's not a small dude, and he doesn't have any quit in him. No. The but hey, you know that person right there is just as important as you know somebody coming in who who has never lifted a weight before. You know, for sure. Um, Those and, people are even more important. Yeah, they have more and, to grow. Yep. Right, and the. Hey, I can't back squat. I can't deadlift 400 pounds. That dude over there is an Olympian. You know, I don't expect you to do that. You know, lift what you can lift, you know, with good form. And, and 10 years from now, maybe you can in five years from now, maybe you can, um, Maybe you never yeah. deadlifted in your life like me and CrossFit showed you how to deadlift and it doesn't matter how much you deadlift, at least to me. It's just the fact that I know how to do it. Yeah. I'm or stoked. you can pick somebody up off the ground. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't need kipping muscle ups. The fact that I can do a muscle up a stri- is more than enough for me. Like, it, 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 I mean, how many people do we know who can't even do a fucking pull up? If you can come into a CrossFit gym in a year, learn five strict pull ups, like you're already like, and you're a tier one operator at Walmart, <laughs> you know? Well, like, <laughs> and that's the, yeah, that's the aspect of, of, uh, CrossFit. I think that it, I was talking about earlier is trying to evolve. So I know before, you know, where are the machines? We are the machines. Yes. I understand that. You know, one of the great, it was that Chuck, uh, said that in Carswell said that in the, one of my favorite lines across it. But as we evolved, now I have, I have a lap pull down machine. Why? Because if I tell some 50 year old who's coming in the gym and just trying to get healthy, Hey, we're doing, you know, 40 pull-ups today. She said, well, I can't do that. It's like, okay, let's come over here. This looks like a pull-up, but it's a lap pull-down machine, and I'm, you're going to do 40 of these. And that's just a starting spot, and that's a measurable. And that's what I'm saying as in trying to evolve and kind of Not be afraid. Towards. Right, right. I love exactly. a lap pull-down bridge, machine. I love one of those. Bridge the gap between CrossFit class and um, I'm afraid of CrossFit. Right. And right. I think that's that's the hardest part for CrossFit is to get rid of a stigma that other people created about CrossFit. Right? You know, you're going to get hurt if you do that. Not if you do it, not if, you know, maybe 10 years ago when you did it on your own, like I did, you know, um, maybe if you're listening to a YouTube video that, you know, you don't know, they can't see you doing the movement. Yeah, maybe you could get hurt. You know. Um, why do you pay your affiliate fees? Why not just have a gym that's just blue cord? Why not just call it blue cord? Um, well, first answer, two memberships a year is all I need to pay for that membership or that affiliate fee. Two, um, CrossFit changed my life. Big time. I smoked from 13 to 30. What, what did you smoke? Cigarettes. I know, but what brand? Marvel Lights. The whole time? The whole, well, I think when I was like 13, I, whatever I could. Right, steal Whatever from they would get. Yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. they could give me. Um, and, you know, I played sports. I was a good athlete and I smoked, you know, um, and I was in the army and I smoked and I, when I was at the affiliate, they said, Oh, you smoke. You're never going to be good at this. If you smoke done right there, cold Turkey, never touched it again. Bestest. I mean, I smoked a pack a day. Yeah. I quit smoking because of CrossFit too. I couldn't do both. Yeah. And never (laughs) to the point where I was the guy who they were like, that guy just always smokes to the point now if I see somebody smoking, I'm like, oh, they're like, shut up. You, We dealt with you for so many years. I'm like, I can't be around you. I'm like, sorry, that's just how I am now. You know, um, and the, so I would say me, just that, you know, people getting cancer. I probably, CrossFit saved my life from cancer. Thank you, Greg Glassman. Yeah. So you think you do it because, 
you don't think it's that expensive. It takes two memberships. And the third re- and the second reason is is because of your loyalty for what it did for you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I, um, so this, why, why do you do CrossFit or why do you open up a gym? Um, when I was here and I was opening up a gym, I was using my Montgomery GI bill to kind of pay the bills. Cause you know, they give me money if you go to school and I was down at the university of Phoenix and long, uh, lone tree and a guy named Ken, uh, Burns, not Ken Burns. Uh, that's, uh, something else. Uh, Ken can't remember his last name now, but he was the teacher and director. And he goes, why do you, um, want to coach Crawford or open up your own gym? I said, cause I want to do what CrossFit's done for, I want to do what other people for other people, what CrossFit has done for me. Mm. And he was like, Oh, that's interesting. And he's like, you should put that, you know, that, that should be it right there. That's just, that's all we wanted to know. Later on during that class, I asked that guy, I said, what's your relationship with food? In a year and a half, he lost a hundred pounds based on that statement. So what CrossFit did for me, and then CrossFit led me to, you know, talk about food, which later did that for him. Yeah. Changed his life, saved his life, saved his life. It went from 320 pounds to 220 pounds. And every class I had from that point on, they were like, are you the guy that, that changed Ken? And I was like, Oh yeah, that was me. Do you use any, do you have any business mentors or do you use any business books or do you like do two brain business or any of that stuff? No, I'm a terrible businessman. And you're just winging it right now. Absolutely. Um, I, I do bounce ideas off my mom and dad. Like I said, my mom, um, mm. my mom, uh, owned, she ran a business for 40 years. Yeah. And my dad had, uh, owned a bar for nine years. Um, so both of them, you know, know what they're talking about on business and maybe, maybe not all the time I take their advice. Um, but I just, I've always believed that the relationships you create, you know, that's going to provide, I don't worry about money. Um, you know, I don't worry about, uh, small things in the fact that, Hey, just treat people right. And they won't leave. That's why like when people leave, I'm like, oh, what did, why did I let them walk out the door? You know? And it's not me letting them walk out the door. There's other stuff that goes into that. But I do think that that's a healthy way to look at it, whether you're right or wrong. I I like to think of that too. People don't leave like quit jobs. They leave relationships. So when people come and go out of my life, I I take it as a moment to like really humble up and reflect. Like, I I think you handle that perfectly. Like, Hey, it, it wasn't because the bathroom was dirty or it wasn't because they like, what could we have done to added value to the relationship? What could I have done to added value to the relationship so that people would want to stay? What, what can I change without compromising my integrity or, you, you know, I, I just think it's a healthy, yeah. I think it's a healthy place to start. If, if you can be egoless, we you don't we have to have hate on to, yourself, but right. We have to have, you know, um, one of the girls who, when I was coaching at other gyms, she said, just always be who you are. 
when she left. And, you know, that, that has always stuck with me in the fact that people have asked like, Hey, I don't like how this is going on. Like I sit back and I look and I, okay, well, if you don't like it, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to change that. Or, you know, maybe I did change it. Maybe I wasn't aware of something happening and then I do change it, but I'm not changing what we are, what we're doing, you know? Um, and the, the overall, like, okay, Hey, I give you a free week, a free intro. If you don't like it here and you don't like the people here, go to, or you don't like, if you don't like me, you're not going to like the people. But, um, if you don't like me, Go to another gym, try another CrossFit gym. Here's this place and this place. They're closer to you or close by. Um, maybe you would like them, you know. Uh, and I always I so approve of that. I so approve yeah. of that. Because it's – I would rather you go to a CrossFit gym than anywhere else, you know. I think that any CrossFit gym is better than anything else. Orange Theory – Orange Theory trainers do CrossFit. F45 trainers do CrossFit. That's facts. Yeah. I've had them in my gym, you know, <laughs> I've had them. Uh, so that aspect of it, you know, I always will push them to do go to another CrossFit gym because every CrossFit gym is different and we're all going to bring a little bit of something different to the plate. You know, we touch a barbell every day because the barbell is the best medicine for you. That if, is good. If if someone told uh, an affiliate owner, um, if, if they said this to you, Andy, um, you'll lose five percent less of your customers. Let's say you lo- let's say you lose let's say you lose a customer every month, and you, you, let's say you lose a client every month, and they would say, "Hey, you would only lose a client every other month if you made sure that the trainer." said each person's name every time that they were in the gym. So let's say every time I went to your gym, I heard at least one person who worked there say, hi, Sevon, or hey, Sevon, uh, no, don't use that bar workout over here. Let's say that, let's say there was some metric where we could figure out if I just heard someone who worked there say my name, I was likely to stay an extra year. That's not asking you to compromise who you are though. That's just smart shit, right? Right. That's just like- say it three times. Right, right. Hello, Sevon. So, yeah. Bye, Sevon. Yeah. And- Great job, coming, There's yeah, three. Yeah. And, and, and even when I go to this, this uh, market in my town, it's a, it's like just like an open market where they sell, I get the, I'll get the vegetables and my meat at, and, and it's like a mom and pop. And there's a lady there, like a 60 year old lady who like looks right in my eyes and talks to me every time I'm there. Would you like a bag yeah. or a box? Oh, your kids look beautiful today. Like just simple shit. I'll wait in her line. Instead of waiting yeah. in the, the in the high school kids line, just because I want to have that interaction, like like yeah. I'll, like even if there's three people in her line and no one the other one, I'll go over there. I just wanted I just wanted like I go there to see her. I, I could go to a cheaper place a mile away further, but I go there to see her because I want the interaction. It's so simple, so there's, fucking simple. There's uh, but yet hard people don't do it. They don't want to give that connection for some reason. The there's a podcast, Jim Quick. Have you ever heard of him? No. Good. Uh, yeah, amazing. He worked with uh, a lot of the X-Men on remembering their lines. He's very well known and he it's called Quick Brain and his name's Jim Quick. And he talks about hey, every what is everybody's favorite song? It's your it's your name. Oh. Yeah. Everybody loves hearing their name called. You know? 
And that aspect of it, remembering people's names, remembering things about people. The kid that is working for me, when his dad came in for one week, his name's James. He, I talked to him. I said, hey, you know, where are you coming from? California. I think, okay, I'm going to remember, he, you know, coming from California. Why would you move here? Well, my uh, son and daughter-in-law moved here. Okay, son and daughter-in-law. What, what do they do for work? Oh, they, they're general managers of uh, In-N-Out Burger, the first In-N-Out Burger in Colorado. Oh, okay. Wow. wow. So uh, part of their all-star team. So I talked to him about that. Adam came in, Adam Kidd, and I go, your dad, James? He's like, how the hell do you remember that? It's like he came in two years ago and, you know, your brother still brother and sister uh, still working at in and out Burger. Yeah. And they had a kid and this and that. Cool. You know, and then when I started mentoring him, I'm like, hey, these are the podcasts you need to listen to. This one, this one, this one, you know. And it's crazy. that as that aspect of it doesn't mean that I, I just worked out a system. It just means, hey, I found a I, – I doesn't mean I don't care. It just means I've worked out a better system to remember, you know, people and make them feel that connection. What I did with you in the beginning, right, when we talked about Bobby Millsap, now we have a connection. Now we have somebody yeah. between us that we yeah. both know, you yeah. know, um, somebody that we can relate. And when I find somebody, you know, at the gym who is – you know, the VP of, you know, a housing development. And then I find this person over here who does, you know, something. And then <coughs> later, you know, they're working with each other, you know, because of the gym. Um, oh, that's great. I love to hear that. Yeah. It, why? There's so many people in the gym that do so many different things, you know, um, one of the guys who owns Elite Audio Salon in Colorado Springs, you know, he's done a couple different cars in the gym. He's the one that donated all our speakers. Um, they live right up the street. Him and his wife, him and his wife take my daughter every Saturday. So me and my wife can have time to ourselves. Every Saturday they take. That's yes. really cool. No, did, what? Did Tina no, Carson ever coach him? Oh. No. Do you know who that is, Tina Carson? Uh, I think she owns uh, Progressive. Yeah, uh, she owns Progressive. She bought Progressive CrossFit down in um, uh, downtown. So she bought that from Chris and Ma Hoppy, I believe. What a trippy business model. Do you ever trip on the business model that CrossFit has? Not not the box, but HQ? The fact that that you, you pay your affiliate fee – because of what it did for you. That's what everyone says. Yeah. No one's like, no one's like, Oh, because of their great Super Bowl commercial or because like, it's always, it's always that it's always because of what it did for me. It, right. And that, and that's why I think people think it's a cult because I can't think of anywhere else people do that except the church. Right. I mean, so, and like, I guess my, my, I, Absolutely. You're right. You know, it is some people's church. It is uh, the outlet. It is why we pay, uh, why I will always pay my affiliate fee. I even thought about it. I was like, man, after 10 years, that's $30,000. You know what? I don't go to the 
I don't go to the doctors. I don't get sick. I don't, um, I've never had COVID. Uh, the, you know, the aspect of health, I pay, you know, have, I pay in my affiliate fee, you know, um, I wonder so, what HQ, I wonder how the church nurtures that. I wonder how you could nurture that. You, you, you know what else is kind of weird about, about CrossFit is it's a privately owned company, right? Right. Matt Souza was kind of explaining this to me the other day, but it has uh, 15,000 shareholders. Right. And those shareholders are you guys. Yeah. And 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 most companies that have 15,000 shareholders would have to be I hate to use this word. Their books would have to be open. You would have to you would see where they're spending all their money. Like so if you invested in let's say Facebook, like you can see how they spend their shit, right? Their shit's open. Yeah. They're on the stock exchange. It's just such a trip. It's such a trip. I I almost just like having this conversation just in case son like I don't think that the people who bought it I don't I don't think people know how to think about it because it's such a unique fucking situation that the company and that the affiliates are in. It's just a trip. Well, don't you think that's why um Don Fall and Dave sat down with Greg? What do you mean? Like the, why they had dinner together one night? Yeah. No, I no. I don't think that. I, um I don't, I, I would, I would work with people for 10 years at CrossFit and they still couldn't understand the business model. It is so fucking hard to get your head wrapped around because most people do things to make money. So like this, that most people do things and they try to market shit. Whereas you, this thing, you can't, you, you can't use that word. It, it, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a mistake. You'll eventually get lost. You'll lose, you'll lose your, you'll lose your way. Like everything that you've told me that um that you do to make your gym better is that you're adding value for your customers saying yeah, hi to them having the lap pull down machine telling them if they don't like this gym they should go to that gym none of it is like you didn't talk to me about groupon you didn't tell me about your black friday sale you didn't tell <laughs> like you're never you're never marketing you're not trying to get them to buy something they don't need right i mean you're not selling them shit no and that's yeah. Uh, and that's so fucking hard for a Stanford MBA to get their fucking head wrapped around or a Harvard MBA. Like they cannot like it it seems normal to us, but I'm telling you I worked with people for 10 years at CrossFit and they still couldn't figure it out. And so I don't I don't I don't think I if I just was a betting man, I don't think the people who own CrossFit know that. I don't think that do they you, can get their peanut wrapped around that. They didn't buy what? it not to make money. They bought it to make money. Right. Which is okay. I'm not judging that at all. I do all sorts of shit to make money. But this fucking beast is a trip. It's so it's so trippy. To, I mean, everything you say makes sense to me, but it's such a trip to me also. Like, wow, this thing is that potent. I mean, look at me. I got fucking fired and I can't stop talking about how great it is and trying to sell the level one. That's fucking some weird shit. <sighs> some weird that shit. That is crazy. I well, should have been mean, like, fuck you, Coke. You fired me. I'm going to Pepsi. I'm not going to Orange Theory. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, yeah, it is some weird it, shit. It's only weird because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. In, but it's beyond loyalty. If, if they, if, if I thought CrossFit was truly ass, I would love to say it. I'd love to burn this fucker down. 
but it's just not just not the no. truth just no, is I, the, I, it is the best thing that ever like happened in so many of our lives well and i i would say you know i I like to listen and I, somebody said, you know, don't get pigeonholed into CrossFit. And I said, okay, you know, I took that, I, I thought about it. And as all these um, podcasts come out, I was like, you know, I'm going to listen to a, a bodybuilding podcast and kind of, you know, see, you know, hear their stuff and they would bring up CrossFit. And I think, you know, one of the, the guys there, one of the episodes was like, why we hate CrossFit. And it's like, yeah, but you never done it. And you've, you know, you don't. And then after a while I listened to them and they're like, well, the one thing CrossFit has is they got community. Oh, one thing CrossFit did was they, they saved Olympic weightlifting in America. The one thing CrossFit did is they brought squat racks back into the gym uh, usually they were just, you know, bicep curl machines or bicep uh, curl racks. Uh, now we got 10 of them, uh, you know, CrossFit, you know, revitalized, you know, this, that, and the other on, and, you know, started making people aware of what strength and conditioning is, um, you know, and how not to eat. So, um, you know, other that aspects- funny. That was great. What you just said, I hate it, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then they list off all these things and now i think it's been i've been listening to uh they're out in california mind pump um and they who are their best who are their best uh podcasts kelly strett jason kalipa um all crossfitters. tons of all crossfitters yeah when they had strett on they're like that was the most information i've ever had in one hour in my life it's like, well, yeah, you know, because the dude sees it every day and he's he's working with people and he's teaching people. And, you know, there's just so much knowledge in it that um, they were floored, you know. So. Um, if, if, if you were if you were to um, if someone wants to open an affiliate, what, what would you tell them? What, what, what would your conversation be? It has to be your passion. It has to be what you love. It ha- your family has to understand. And I tell you this, my wife, I, when I, why we started dating, um, when I was after my divorce, when I was going through my divorce, you know, I moved back home. Um, you know, people are like, I want to set you up with somebody, you know, it's like, do they do CrossFit? Like, oh, yep. Yep. No, they don't. Okay. Well, I'm not going to date anybody unless they do trust it. I'm not going to, you know, even lend anybody my time, you know, on that aspect of it. Cause they won't understand. They won't understand the passion. My wife does CrossFit five days a week, maybe six. If our daughter will let her, um, I'll never get rid of my kid's room because of, I'll never get rid of my kid's room because, you know, when mom and dad work out, they can go in the kid's room and hang out. You know, um, the, you had, it has to be the passion and it has to be something that you and your family are together on, because that's the only way we could do this. That is the only way I could have done this. You know, when I'm, when it's three thirty in the morning and I'm waking up and I'm going in to mop the floor or tape down lines 
to say like, Hey, this is where all the rowers go or, you know, fix the bathroom, you know, and I'm there till seven o'clock at night, you know, and my wife can look on the camera and say, Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing now? You know, she just says, what are you doing now? Doesn't say like, you're always a CrossFitter. Even when you come home, you're a CrossFitter. You're just always, it's like that. It's all, it's all, you're not compartmentalizing. You didn't work at Twitter from nine to five. And now you're at home looking for another job. Like you, that's the passion you need. You're either all in or you're not. When we come home on a Friday night, yeah, we're watching your podcast when it was uh, not games, something before the games, we sat there and watched all of your and Don's interview on a Friday night. And then the next day we, you know, we're watching, we're watching a podcast about CrossFit on TV. How dumb does that sound? Yeah. Dumb. (laughs) But thank you. But thank you. Uh, uh, You know, like that's how into it we are. Right. And And you're saying that's that's the, if you don't have that, don't even bother opening an affiliate. Right. Yeah. And And then beyond that, you're saying you should even have a support team around you, like a good ass wife. Yes. Your, your wife. And finally I got one of my boys that are like, all right, I want to play football. Mm. Can I go to CrossFit? <clears throat> yeah. I want to be good. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that aspect is going to be fun for the next phase of, okay, now my kids get to do it. Now, you know, my son, who has, he is my son, uh, he's 13. I've been knowing CrossFit ever since he was born, uh, did his first clean and jerk or in class. And they were like, wow, he knows how to do that already. It's like, he's watched his dad do it, you know, for so many years, I would hope so. He watched it and knew what to do. Right. You know, I got to move my body that way. And I think that as, as we get older, how many people have you ever heard I wish I had this when I grew up, right? And they say that, well, they're having kids and they're raising kids. And those kids, let's say those kids are 10 and 13 years old. Now those 10 and 13 year olds are starting to come into CrossFit. In five years from now, when the CrossFit Games has a leaderboard of 18 to 22 year olds on both sides, you know, the sport's getting younger. and I think that that wave that we're seeing at our gym, like I'm telling you, 15-year-old girls training twice a day, snatching bar muscle-ups. I mean, families that support that, I think the future is bright. Me too. For the sport, for the for the community. Me too. I totally agree with you, 100%. And, 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 and I like, I, I, I just like what I hear from everyone I talk to. I like what I hear from all the affiliate owners. Yeah. I mean, it's a good group of people. Yeah. The, uh, the Facebook group on, uh, uh, for the affiliate owners, you know, that's a great resource, especially for somebody like me coming in, you know, late, later in the game not knowing the business aspect of it. Hey, how do you guys deal with this? 30 comments on it or just everybody willing to help. Hey, I did it this way. Here's a picture. Hey, I ran it this way, but actually found out this was better. It's going to, you know, 
people always willing to support each other so that you can grow. Yeah. So that, so that we can grow to make us better. Andy, I appreciate you coming on brother. It was awesome meeting you. Hey, Savon. Awesome meeting you. Andy Schneider. Cool. Yeah. Blue cord CrossFit. Uh, and, and thanks for, uh, thanks for the support. Um, and listening to the podcast I did with Don. Thanks for just all the support. Thanks for everything you do. Oh, we, I definitely, uh, definitely spread the word about you. You know, a lot of people at our gym, listen to you. Um, tell them I said, hi, they're good. people. I like them more already. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Stop on by. I absolutely will. I absolutely. If you're ever in Santa Cruz, bug me, let's go hang out. Sounds good. All right, brother. Thank you. I won't text you past uh, eight o'clock at night anymore. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Have a good one. Jay Hartle, stay strong, brother. Me and Sevon are probably related somehow, both being Armenian. That's probably a small ancestral gene pool. (sighs) Damien Castro. I haven't listened to much of the affiliate shows, but I but listened to the last two, and they have been phenomenal. I will listen to all of them moving forward. You don't have to listen to them. Just hit play and boost me up on the algorithm. What is this? Uh, I saw something Bruce Wayne said that I – this is not a CrossFit podcast. It is not a CrossFit podcast. You're right. Definitely not a CrossFit podcast. What a trip. All these guys, just the loyalty to the brand. I mean it when I say I think this brand is built off of uh, the United States military. And to think that uh, when, when I when – I, to think that that's something bad or that doesn't mean that other countries aren't included is, is a complete mistake. It's like saying we all know Gucci's an Italian brand. It's fine. I'm not tripping on it. I'm not tripping on the fact that Gucci's – I'm not tripping on Javiana is a Brazilian slipper. I like that. I don't want a fucking slipper from Finland. Or Japan. I want my samurai sword from Japan. Racist. I want my cell phone from Finland. Racist. I, like it, it's okay that countries have things that are that are uh, affiliated with them. I want my surfboard and my and my skateboard from Santa Cruz, California. I do not want it from Oklahoma. I want my dialysis center to be in Oklahoma. I mean, it's it's okay that areas. Um, it's going to be a huge mistake to ever to ever lose lose the base to not speak to the base. A huge mistake. That's why even those of us, even those of us libtards who fucking hated the U.S. military and hated all, they just thought even we we love the fact that they did CrossFit and we join it because they did CrossFit. Even the worst fucking morons in the world, hateful morons in the world, still love um, what what Navy SEALs uh, stand for and want to and want to know what they do, what kind of scissors they use, what kind of fitness they have, what kind of gun they have, what kind of food they eat when they're out. They, like everyone wants to know that. No, I don't really. I mean, I've been to Oklahoma, but not really. I just know that they probably got more dialysis center. They probably have a dialysis center there for every person. Such a, I'm so judgmental. Yeah, great job on digging in as he teared up. I tried. I tried. I wanted to hear a story. I wanted to hear a story. He's a good dude. He gave it. I appreciate it. That's the, 
people come on here and just give it. I love it. He fought back their tears like a champ. I felt my tear ducts turn on. You can't have just both of us start crying. I'm like, don't look at him. Don't look at him. You start crying. All right. Um, I think tomorrow we have a guest on it. Oh, no, we have no guest tomorrow. You know who we have on Monday? You want to see this guy's account we have on Monday real quick? I have to pee so bad. Uh, Xavier. I think that this guy that we're going to have on uh, tomorrow. No, no, on Monday. I think this used to be a member at Suze's gym. I don't know that for a fact. But but I but I thought I heard Suze say that the other day. I need to call Matt as soon as I get off. Uh, okay, so this guy's account is wild. This is a good account. This is him here. Here he is. Look at oh shit, he's with Candace Owens. I think I saw him maybe with anyway, this guy's coming on tomorrow. Or no, no, not tomorrow. Uh Monday. Another person's skin cover will another person's skin color will never affect my excellence. Black Americans are blessed, not oppressed. All right. You can tell we're going to have a field day, right? Me and this guy. All right. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Xavier? Xavier Durosa. Excited to have him on. All right, guys. Um, I'd love to hang out, but my bladder's about to pop. Uh, Greg Glassman, no, not on Monday. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. All right, guys. I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.